This is a podcast brought to you by Tourism Geographies, an international journal of tourism, space, place, and environment, published by Taylor and Francis. In 2022, Tourism Geographies was ranked second in Scopus Site Score Tracker in the subject areas Tourism, Leisure, and Hospitality Management, and secondly in Geography, Planning, and Development. In 2023, it's on track to be number one with a site score of 24.4 as at 5th of August 2023. Good day and welcome to another episode of Tourism Geographies. We have joining us Rama Stephenson and he's an assistant professor at Aalborg University. Welcome Ramas, how are you today? Hi, I, uh, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Oh, that's good. So first, I want to just get a bit of insight on firstly, um, where from and what what background you're coming from, especially seeing that it's not a typical um, tourism background or specific, specific geography background. Can you tell us a bit more about your background? Yeah, my yeah, my my background is within urban planning. I have a master's degree in urban planning and management and a PhD in um, urban and regional planning. Um, so what I mainly focus on is the planning aspects of, of different uh, societal uh, yeah, <laughs> facilities yeah. and so on. And, and in, 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 this, in this particular paper, we focus on second homes. And second homes, as I see it, is, is part of uh, tourism in the sense that they provide a basic uh, facility or basic uh, infrastructure for tourists to to visit particular places as as second homes can be rented out and and uh, borrowed by by different types of people uh, it's not necessarily something that is exclusively for for second home owners to 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 visit these second homes it's also something that uh, other people like tourists can can come and and visit Yes, that's interesting. Looking at some of the stuff that you did in the past as well, I saw there was a lot of focus on that sustainable sort of part, especially when it comes to spatial and place and planning around anything to do with development in, in particular. So it was very interesting to read your article on, and it's titled Sinking into the Ocean, climate change risks and second home planning. So what inspired you um, to, to go down this pathway of research? Yeah, basically it's, we did a research project on, on second home developments in Denmark in general, mm. and we wanted to update some information, some, uh, some, some basic information about uh, the orientation of or the trends within this field, how how it's going economically, uh, environmentally, and uh, also planning-wise, of course. Uh, what are the planning, uh, spatial planning uh, challenges that we need to to focus on, and and then naturally, ch- climate changes are something that is very relevant when it comes to uh, spatial planning, and especially when we when we talk about second homes in in Denmark in particular, because. Uh, most second homes in Denmark are placed in coastal areas that will mm. be affected very much by climate changes. Um, so for me, this aspect that we have uh, a lot of physical tourism infrastructures that are placed in 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 coastal areas or coastal coastal regions is, is a sustainability 
uh, issue for me. And um, we obviously need to think about where to place tourism facilities in coastal areas in the future, because um, as we know, it will be uh, affected very much by climate change. So this is something we try to understand in this uh, paper. That's very interesting. And I saw you kind of captured a few scenarios, obviously um, thinking from a geographical point of view, they there obviously are different risks, especially climate risks. Um, I personally, coming from the Caribbean, this paper really stood out to me, looking at stuff such as the rising sea level. Were there any particular um, scenarios or, or, I guess, events that happened um, around the time of the research that sort of um, bring, brought out some of these uh, findings? On a regular basis, experience storm surge events in mm. Denmark because we have a very long coastline line uh, to the to the sea out west, um, and uh, regularly we see storms and uh, hurricanes coming. And as as some of the second homes we we have in Denmark, they are placed on the very edge of of the coastline. Uh, some of some of these yeah some of these areas they erode away mm. during these storms. So th we actually see second homes sinking into the ocean. So this is also why. Uh, we we thought it would be interesting to to maybe go a little bit deeper into this topic and and see what what would that what would it mean uh, for second home geographies in in the future when we see uh, climate changes affect so so naturally it's it's about yeah rising sea levels but it's not so much uh, a problem in Denmark as we saw in our study but the combination of rising sea levels and storm surges that will become uh, worse in the future because of climate changes means that the outset of these storm surges will be more yeah will be from a higher sea level so it, it will have a, a higher impact on on uh, on the coastal areas and this means that we really have to to know where which places are uh, affected and which places will be flooded and and so on Mm. And actually, maybe a, a little bit anecdotally, we in a few, uh, it, maybe a month ago in Denmark, we experienced a storm surge, but this was then from, from the eastern side of, of Denmark. So it was a lot of the eastern regions of, of Denmark that were affected by, by storm surges. And even though some of these places are, uh, are familiar with uh, storm surges and have built uh, dikes and and they were also sort of taking some preventive measures uh, in the warm up to the to this storm surge. Uh, even though uh, the, yeah there was a lot of effort to to minimize the risks of this storm surge, there there were actually quite a lot of uh, damage to uh, yeah especially second home areas. Wow. Uh, also. Mm. Also in areas where they where they put up dikes and so on, but but these were flooded. So um, already now we see see some consequences of of these uh, climate hazard events. So it's something that we we really need to understand where are the risk areas and where 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 can we maybe in the future plan better for yeah. uh, tourism facilities. 
Yeah, most definitely. And even on, on that point around planning, you know, looking at the paper, and especially now that you have more, I guess, um, ta tangible um, information, even currently as well, what were some of the key elements that you recommend putting your, your urban planning hat on in terms of how then could regulators or policymakers sort of utilize some of, I guess, a forecast of how to plan better, how to reorganize where these second homes or even just any facilities, as a matter of fact, um, should be placed? Yeah, what we discussed in our paper is, of course, that um, those areas that are most prone to, to risk will not be the most obvious places to develop uh, tourism facilities or urban developments or, or anything. but. Um, in our uh, paper, we of course focus on second homes, so this is what we recommend not to uh, not to plan uh, developments in in these areas. So, mm -hmm. um, but we what we also see in our study uh, is places that are maybe not affected by climate change uh, mm. and uh, maybe also have. Uh, tendency towards being less affected uh, in the future. So uh, these are some of the areas that we could maybe focus on instead and uh, maybe also build denser developments. Mm. So right now we, we mainly see uh, single family or single houses, detached houses uh, as, as second homes, but, but could we, for example, imagine more denser uh, developments mm. uh, in in areas that are not uh, prone to risk. So, I think these are some of the the ideas that we could think about. Or we should develop some strategies that would, for example, uh, minimize uh, coastal erosion. Mm. This is also something that we already now experience in, in Denmark. But in my view, these uh, preventive measures somehow destroy also the coastal landscape by putting out uh, huge rocks or putting Rebrace, in cement yeah. and so on. So, so for me, that that doesn't really contribute to the to the natural beauty of of places. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so these are some of the the measures that we could uh, think about. But I think uh, planning obviously has a huge task in, in understanding and, and trying to understanding the problems and, and trying to, to, to come up with some solutions that, that makes the future uh, better. Yes, that's so true. And thinking about the tourist perspective, um, I know we discussed the, the planning um, element. You know, you talked about some of the strategies, probably meaning to shift some of these facilities, other places. How how would that um, translate in terms of you know most tourists may you know go to certain areas for have, having that coastal experience? Are there any other mitigation strategies or probably product development to kind of shift? that um, population away from those areas, at least for it to regenerate a bit? Not exactly. I guess the pol politicians in Denmark are actually mainly focused on increasing the uh, uh, the use of this tourism resource that, that mm. we see second homes actually are. So they want 
uh, more second home owners to to rent out their uh, their, their second homes to to tourists so mm. that the economic uh, generation from these buildings can can uh, increase also because many of the second homes uh, are placed in areas uh, which we in fact would call uh, peripheral areas yeah. where they have a little uh, lower economic turnover than, mm. than in, in urban areas so so actually politicians and, and tourism mm. uh, industries or tourism organizations are looking at how we can increase um, the use of these second homes uh, for mm. tourists so so this is very much the the discourse right now mm. that, that we want to increase the use of these second homes and i think maybe that could also be 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 good because it's not <laughs> these effects that we we look at in our paper it's not some uh, that are urgent or mm. something that will uh, these uh, these houses can suddenly be exposed to these risks it's something that we we sometimes can know uh, yeah. in advance uh, and and people can move out of the houses if, yeah. if we see but of course there's a lot of economic investments tied into these houses and maybe we shouldn't rely so much on the those most uh, at risk in the future we should maybe shift a little bit to to the other places where where we don't see the risks uh, yeah. that much yeah and that's interesting because as you mentioned it's more a forecasting model and and having preventative i guess strategies in place talking about the model i, I think that was one of the very interesting elements of the paper as well you know um, seeing coming from urban planning and you having resources or at least access to certain um, data. Could you tell us a bit about the methodology and the use of the GIS analysis that, that you um, conducted yeah. and what that consists of? Yeah, yeah of course. Um, what, what we wanted to understand in our study was obviously how climate changes would affect the, the almost 200,000 second homes that we have in Denmark. Mm. Uh, and how planning could yeah, respond to these challenges. So uh, what we had to do is was to, to understand the current situation, which second homes are, are affected now and, and which will be affected in the future with climate changes having their uh, effects. So in Denmark, we have a, a very organized society and we have a very, uh, yeah, you, some would say is almost... Um, we, we register everything and in terms of spatial developments it's it's we have a central registry where everything needs to be registered so it's a lot of details about the uh, houses and so on so these data are uh, available to us uh, as researchers and and uh, then we also have very very good data on uh, the effects of climate changes or what mm. we uh, yeah, we, we have very good climate models to predict um, climate events in the future. So these two uh, databases, the uh, registry data on the buildings and the different natural hazards that comes from uh, yeah, different types of uh, events, climate events, uh, we compared those <clears throat> in the GIS uh, analysis. Mm. Um, so we know exactly where each second home in Denmark uh, is located and we know based on hydrological models, for example, how uh, increases in uh, sea level 
will uh, affect these different houses. Uh, we know how storm surges, also based on hydrological models, will uh, affect uh, land uh, surfaces mm. and so on. So we compare these different scenarios with where the where the where the second homes are placed, and then we get a, a very good overview of 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 which second homes will be affected and which will not be affected. And and then we did that for each of these five different uh, climate or natural hazards that are affected by climate changes. And and um, these are sea level rise, storm surges, erosion, yeah. and then flooding from water courses and also terrestrial uh, groundwater levels which is also something that will be affected by, uh, for example, uh, increased rainfall in the future. Mm. And when we had the amount of second homes that would be affected by each of these climate hazards, we also uh, did a compound analysis for each second home, meaning that we took yeah, each individual second home and saw or tried, we, we wanted to understand how much uh, will each individual second home be affected in the future uh, in terms of these hazards? So will they be affected by only one, two, three or four or even mm -hmm. five different hazards at once? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so so that was also interesting to see uh, which regions were affected by uh, the lesser climate hazards and, and, and those regions that were affected by more climate hazards. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting because I was wondering um, in terms of, you know, that model, I think it's it's a very strong analysis. Could that be also translated in other types of crises? What is, I know some places, I'm not sure if it's impacted in Denmark, but stuff like bushfires or any other risks that could also be um, Im implemented in such a model? Yeah, of course, We if, if we have the data, uh, for example, on on bushfires, we mm. could also put that into the model. Um, in Denmark, we don't see that much uh, mm. risks from fire hazards. Mm. So, so this is also why maybe we don't have a very good data on on that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but of course, we could think of uh, other types of, of of hazards that we could put into the model. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And were there any specific challenges or shortcomings that you, you found in conducting the data? Well, obviously, uh, climate change uh, models are, operate with some sort of uh, margin of, of error. So mm. they have um, a, a confidence interval that, that we need to understand also to be able to predict the precise uh, outcome of, of, uh, of climate changes. And uh, this is something that we didn't dig into in our paper here, but but obviously if these con confidence intervals are, are large, then mm -hmm. it makes our study less robust, I, I would guess. Actually, we uh, argue in our paper that these data uh, we use are uh, quite good and, and these they have been tested in, in, in many different ways by um, climate scientists and mm -hmm. it's also um, data that 
public authorities use to to predict and plan for for uh, mm. different events. So so this is why we use those data. Yeah. But obviously, it's a little bit of a, a shortcoming. Oh yeah, that's 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 good. That's you. You you didn't really have <laughs> much of um I guess issues related to I guess the different confidence levels and so forth. So at this point, I think we could switch gears a bit. I I think you give a good overview of the paper, some of the key takeaways, um, and and obviously some elements around the methodology. So I just wanted ask in terms of of your future plans, especially around urban planning, uh, around coastal areas, which has a lot of impact for tourism. Are there any future plans of doing a bit more research? Is there, especially for the listeners in different regions that may have, or the place I know Australia in particular, they do have um, some issues around um, bushfires and flooding, as well as uh, a lot of um, coastal erosion and rising sea levels. Are there any other plans to do research in, in this area? Um hoping to do that but currently we don't have a, a research project that can dig more into detail about mm. this but um what i would also like to understand is how these uh, tourism uh, facilities such as second homes are, are contributed to uh, mm. climate changes so uh, really what is the resource demand from these developments and what are the behavioral influences on climate changes that are related to these these infrastructures and so on <clears throat> and um but uh, previously I've, I've also done a little bit of research uh, on how climate changes will affect the uh, behavior of, of of second home users for example and uh, this is also something that could be interesting to to explore a little bit more mm. and something i am doing right now is a is a piece uh, no not a phd study but a, another research project with including a PhD, uh, where we look at second home developments in Norway and yeah. how we can plan more sustainable for, for those developments. In, in Norway, they also have a lot of uh, second homes and, and here they are very, very luxurious. And mm. um, they really, to, to a, a larger extent, exploit on, on the natural amenities that they have in, in Norway. So this is something that planning really uh, struggle to to um, to cope with and, mm. and try to to study that in that research project. That's interesting. I I would look forward to to reading that paper um soon. And and you you, you do a lot of work with um I guess early career researchers. You mentioned you know currently doing a project with an existing PhD. Again, bringing on a bit of obviously a, a research environment in, in terms of re researching in urban planning as well as crossing over to more tourism and geographical perspectives. Are there any special advice you would want to give to early career researchers, especially in terms of doing sort of these interdisciplinary type of work? Yeah, well, my my main uh, advice and, and encouragement would be to uh, for young researchers to to try to expand the network and and mm. also the the partners that they collaborate with, and try to to also to understand different contexts and maybe also different research disciplines because when we 
when we when we work, as you say, in, in these interdisciplinary mm. uh, teams, we 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 gain knowledge from from different perspectives, which actually add something new to our own uh, knowledge and our own understanding of of our own field. So it's very valuable to to try to to cooperate and and to work with different uh, types of disciplines and uh, to learn from them. And uh, it also makes you available to to participate in, in different types of research projects uh, and uh, to also collaborate more broadly on different research papers. So I think that's that's my advice. Yeah, most definitely. And I, th I think um, as we could see with your paper, it kind of pushes, you know, that research landscape, you know, to beyond what is already already existing. So that's very good advice. Thanks for sharing. So to conclude, in the spirit of tourism geographies community, we like to connect agents of knowledge exchange and encourage humanizing the tourism and geographic research landscape. So I just want to leave a question with you that was left from the previous interviewee. So this is very non-research related, um, just to humanize, um, obviously, our our area. So we have a question from Faith Ong from the University of Queensland, Australia. She does research in tourism and events and her question to you was, if you were to adopt an animal, what animal would you adopt as a pet if there were no restrictions? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I don't have a pet currently, but um, that might uh, be a dog. Actually, I, I would like to adopt a dog. I think <laughs> they are very nice <laughs> animals. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Ramos. I think this brings us to the end of this episode of Tourism Geographies podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your insight, your knowledge and your sage advice to early career researchers. Have a good day. Take care. Thank you and, and thank you for having me. Yes. Okay. See you. Bye. Thank you to our guests and thank you, our dear listeners, for joining us on this episode of the Tourism Geographies podcast. We look forward to you tuning into the next episode. I am a fear holder. Bye for now.